welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode number 131, a forensic genealogist as a character, an interview with Elizabeth Goddard, coming to you on Thursday, March 7th, 2019. I had to use that title for the episode because I've never even heard of a forensic genealogist until I read Elizabeth's new book, Never Let Go. And then I was like, this is a really cool job. I want to read more books about forensic genealogists. So when Elizabeth and I were talking, we talked about that a little bit. We talked about some of the other kinds of characters, some of the kinds of research, how she finds ideas. We talked about a little bit of everything. So I think whether you're a new writer or you've been around for a while, if you're interested at all in romantic suspense, mystery elements, you know, where do I put the, uh, the, the bad guy? You know, how's that going to work? Um, it's going to be a really fun and interesting conversation for you. She is a sweet, charming, wonderful lady. The nicest people, right, about such, you know, really bad people, you know, mysteries and thrillers and that sort of thing. It seems like the authors of those books are just the nicest people. And Elizabeth is just the same as that. So you'll enjoy the interview. I hope that it will encourage you to get some writing done in talking with Elizabeth after the interview. She was like, just write a little bit more every day, even though you've got the full-time job, just write a little bit more every day. And I'm like, I know she's right, but you know what? Sometimes you just need to hear people give you a little bit of encouragement, even if you do know what the right thing to do is. So let Elizabeth and I both encourage you, whatever you're doing, no matter how busy you are, there is some place in your day or your week. Maybe you'll only write on the weekends. Maybe you can write a little bit every evening before you go to bed or when you first wake up or while you're doing something else. Maybe you'll have to force yourself to learn to use dictation at least a little bit because you have time when you are, I don't know what you would be doing, <laughs> maybe uh, out exercising or on the train or someplace where you can talk into a tape recorder and at least get a few hundred words down that way. Now, I think that I did a episode early on, so sometime early 2018. It's possible it was a blog post, but I think that I was talking to you guys about how much, um, how many words you can speak in a very short amount of time. And at one point, I think that um, one of my trial runs was like 1,100 words in nine minutes, and that was not with me talking at the speed. That was me talking at the speed where Matt gets out his bike, checks his GPS on his phone, and plotted a course for the coast, period. You know, I mean, it's that sort of thing. 1,100 words in nine minutes. So think about it. There is a way that you can get this done. I, I am now talking to myself again, as I so often do when I'm talking to you guys. Now I'm like, yes, Kitty, there is a way you could get a 1,000 words done. <laughs> So let's do it. Let's take this advice, get a little bit more writing done, find something that works for us. We will eventually find some sort of a rhythm that works for us. Even if, like me, you find yourself unexpectedly in a new position where you have different things going on in your life that are unexpected. Maybe it's caring for someone's sickness, like me, a brand new job after having not had to be where someone else tells me to be for over a decade. Uh, maybe moving, also similar to me. Um, whatever it is that life might be throwing at you right now, whether it's good or bad, sad or really happy, 
there is probably some way, somewhere that you can get a little bit of writing done. And again, it might be because you've dictated in, into your phone or into some software that you've bought. I have gotten really used to dictation just by practicing um, dictating my texts because I can obviously talk much faster than I can type with two thumbs. So even if you practice by starting that way, Every time you send a text, instead of typing it, speak it out. There's a little microphone button right next to, I think, the space bar on the little keyboard that pops up when you get ready to type. Try that. Um, lots of things that we could do. And now I'm thinking I should go take my own advice <laughs> and see if I can dictate out a few hundred words before I go to bed. All right, get ready. You are going to have a great time listening to Elizabeth. She's fabulous. Check out her new book. It's pretty much everywhere that you would buy a book. So, um, And then she'll also be talking to us about uh, book two and when that's coming out. All right, have fun. Here she is. Today's guest is Elizabeth Goddard. Elizabeth is the best-selling author of more than 40 books, including the Carol Award-winning The Camera Never Lies. Her Mountain Cove series books have been finalists in the Daphne du Maurier Awards and the Carol Awards. Elizabeth is a seventh-generation Texan and can be found online at elizabethgoddard.com. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me, Katie. I'm so excited to be here. Yay! And 40 books. Man, I'm excited to have an author on who's written so many books. That's amazing. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of your background? Like, how did you get started? And Oh, yeah. gosh, that's a, a long story. I don't know if you want to hear the whole thing. You know, I was born, <laughs> where I was born now. Yeah, first I was um, born and then... <laughs> well, yeah, I was born. Um, I just, you know, I really had always wanted to be a writer. It was just always inside of me, but... Um, I never really pursued that until I retired from my uh, corporate America job. And so I was in my early thirties and I had stayed home with my first child. And I, you know, after years of working in corporate America, I couldn't, I had to do something. So, Hey, why not pursue the writing that I'd always wanted to do? So, um, you know, it took me a few years of uh, hit and miss and before the internet, think about that. How did people, <laughs> How do we wow. how do we figure it out before the internet even? So yeah. um, I attended my first writing conference in 2001, and um, I met. I remember I I got a book on you know am I called to write? Is this what I should be doing? And I met my with a mentor Diane Mills at um, I think it was American Christian Writers. That was a long time ago. I know but her. Before, I should have her on the show. Yeah, she's she's awesome. wonderful. And so before I even met with her though, I just knew that hey I am going to do this. And so I just started attending conferences um, every year. I don't care how broke we were. We, I just, you know, that was my thing. And so I attended conferences and I connected and networked with people. And I, I can't say enough about doing that. You know, you, that's how you make, that's how you do it is you have pe surround yourself with people who yeah. can encourage you and who are also learning and growing. And I was in a critique group and um, there was five of us in that, group at the beginning and none of us were were right or published but um you know now we're all multi-published authors and I'm very good friends with still with many of them so um you know you have to start somewhere and uh attending conferences and just learning I hadn't even written never written a novel and I started submitting in our critique group I started submitting one chapter a week you know, just starting, it was horrible, horrible writing. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, you know, one of the critiquers, uh, she was really tough and I would have, make sure that I had 
chocolate chip chunk ice cream in the freezer because I knew that it was going to be painful. So I'm just yeah. saying, develop <laughs> a thick skin. You have to have a thick skin. Good. You know, whatever it takes to get through. But I would have the ice cream ready and I would read her critique and then I would eat that. And I mean, no wonder I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> writing is, is hard, you know, it's like stress eating, but I would eat the ice yeah. cream and I would just move on. And I learned so much from that. So anyway, oh. conferences and years of, of working at it. Yeah. And so um, did you end up with an agent first or was it an editor who, uh, who brought you in through a conference? Well, remember I talked about the networking and meeting editors, meeting agents and, and writing friends. And I had um, a writing friend, Lisa Harris, who was going to uh, be writing a three book series or three book um, anthology. And she and Barbara Publishing Hearts, had Heart Songs Presents, but Barbara Publishing would, was really good about, Becky Germany was really good about bringing in new writers. You know, just, they just have such a, a heart for new writers. And so my friend said, you want to join me? So I wrote my first book and they accepted it. And that's, you know, that's what I'm saying. Network is, networking with people is so important. So that was how my first book was published. But I, it wasn't just a, a, a sure thing, right? I had yeah. to write the book and they had to accept it. And so I got my first, um, the call. Actually, it was an email. You know, you always hear about the call, but I got my first email from um, yeah. Joanne Simmons, who was the editor at, at Heart Song Presents. But nice. it was several, I'm trying to think how many books, um, quite a few Heart Song books before I got my agent. So I kept every year, I knew there was a certain agent I wanted to get. So every year I would meet him at the conference. And um, finally, I got his attention. <laughs> but it was another 10 months before he signed me. But it was just, you know, he was a, he was a top-notch agent. So I knew I wanted him, Steve Lobby. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah, so I, it's you know, wonderful. I signed with him and, and I have no regrets. It's, it's been awesome. Oh, wow. Okay. Now I kind of want you to say, tell Steve Lobby that Kitty says hi and, hi and <laughs> I want him on the show. <laughs> I don't know if he would even remember my name. It's been a million years since I've seen him, but oh man, he's, he's great. I totally, okay. Now, spe especially Where since did you I see know him? him. Did you go to a oh, conference or? Um, yeah, we used to go to the Glorietta Christian Writers Conference. Oh, in all right. Yeah. Um, pretty much yeah. every year, I think. Yeah, for quite a while. Um, I started around the same time as you did. I think my first oh, writer's okay. conference was 97, maybe? Something like okay. that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so this is interesting. You're the first person that I know who has said, um, I found an agent that I wanted and I just kept pursuing that one agent. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Because most people I know, they're like, they, they start with their list, depending on how, um, how nervous they are, they'll start at the top or the bottom of the list. But, um, you know, and if they get the no from their number one choice, they just move on. And as far as I know, I don't know of anybody who has like really pursued their number one choice more than a couple of times, but this is really interesting. So tell us about this in case there's people listening who are like, you mean I should, I should go back and, and reintroduce myself again? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know. I realize it is different when I talk about that. People are like, okay. <laughs> but, um, you know, for me, it was just really, uh, I just felt that he was the, the right agent for me. And yeah. he was, uh, he was an editor at Bethany house first. And then he loved, uh, he was the agent that everyone went to and they were trying to get their fantasy and science fiction books going. Right. And so actually I did write that for a little bit. I pitched that at the conference. Oh. 
two years and that's how I met him. And, and after the second year, I was like, no more <laughs> and I moved back to romance and romantic suspense. But, um, for me, it was just, you know, I had prayed that, you know, who, who was the right agent for me. And I remember, yeah. uh, he had responded to uh, a manuscript I sent or, or just a proposal and said he wanted the full. And that's a huge thing. It's like when they ask for a full, like, Oh my gosh, you know, that was such a great thing. Well, yeah. I had books due for a uh, barber and I'm like, do I really have to write the full? I don't want it. But I went to the conference and um, met him and I just remember praying, you know, if he's the one God, just let him say something, you know, yeah. otherwise you're right. I can, there's other agents, you know, why do I have to have him? And he did say something. And the next thing you knew I was signing with him. So that's, that's oh. all I know. It just kind of worked out that way. Um, yeah. And he is the agent that has, has brought me, all this way. So. Oh, wow. That's nice also to hear a story about somebody who's still with their first agent, still happy, still having a good relationship. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, um, is the kind of agent that he just will stick with you. You know, he's with you for life as long as you're writing, as long as you're working. So no worries there. Nice. Speaking of working. So wow, 40 books. That's amazing. Um, I won't ask you to tell us about all of them. You could never remember, I, I think, uh, certainly <laughs> on demand. <laughs> but let's talk about your newest one. So um, Never Let Go is the first book in the new series Uncommon Justice. Is that right? Yes. Yes, let me just, <laughs> yes. Oh, you're watching on YouTube, there was the cover. <laughs> <laughs> That's my, uh, it's my first trade length fiction. I've, I've written many novels that are just shorter novels, which are like 50,000 words, you know, anywhere from 175 to 240 words. But this is a nine uh, pages. pages. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> more like a 370 page novel. So, um, Yes, I'm very excited about this, and I so enjoy, I was afraid at first, because how am I going to write 95,000 words or 90,000 words, and as it turned out, I could have gone, I could have kept going. I went to 97,000, <laughs> because it allowed me to really explore points of views, and, and really in-depth, and the characters get really, and just really explore, and I just yeah. enjoyed it, but um it's about a forensic genealogist who follows in her father's grandfather's footsteps, who's who's been raising her and teaching her about his consulting business for years, and then he dies and leaves her with uh, a case to find a missing baby, a baby, or a, actually she's a young woman if she's still alive, but a, a baby that was stolen from the hospital 21 years ago. So um, I thought when I saw forensic genealogy in or a genealogist in a, a newspaper article, I was like, what is that? <laughs> that? That sounds very interesting. And it was about someone who helped the police discover the true identity of a woman who had died. She was a young woman, but um, apparently she left her home 20 something years ago. She just left her family, disappeared because wow. she wanted to and started a new life. But when she died, they didn't really know all the people around her were like, you know, this is who is she? You know, wow. so um, her family got closure from that. But the, the forensic genealogist helped her help the police find who she really was. So I thought that would be a very interesting story to follow. And yeah. then I, came, I was looking into uh, more forensics and I found an article about a, a woman who had discovered that her mother wasn't her real mother. So she had wow. been stolen. So, <gasps> you know, so I put those two things together and yeah you know, 
I thought that would be a, it, it really opened up into exploring a lot of things that I hadn't thought about. Like, uh, what, how would you feel, you know, if you discover your mother, was that your real mother or she had stolen you? I mean, what, what are those emotions? You know, that's just really mind boggling. So I, I really enjoyed writing a longer story because it just took me all over the place. Yeah, so yeah. Lots, of, lots of twists and turns that I didn't expect either. So when people yeah. say, you know, I figured out who the bad guy was. And well, <laughs> I didn't know who it was till the very end. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I think I'm on chapter 53 or something. My, my Kindle says that I'm like 78% uh, oh, uh, on right. the way there. And I'm like, man, I still don't know who the bad guy is. <laughs> and <laughs> you're not going to know. <laughs> until the very end. <laughs> but it's very interesting, um, you know, to look at, because I, I have it in my head, you know, if somebody kidnaps you, you're going to have this horrible life, you know, because it must be a horrible person who kidnaps children. Right. Um, but I think it's safe to say, because you say it pretty early on in the book, that this girl loves her mother. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like, okay, I really need to get to the end to find out like, well, now what's she going to think? <laughs> right. So see, it was just, it was really fun exploring how would you feel? And, and then we do know that uh, children are kidnapped and abducted a lot of times by their, their father or somebody, you know, estranged. There's a problem with the marriage or divorce and they're kidnapped. And, and then, you know, most of the time they do find, get them back, but those are people that do love them you know? So, yeah. um, anyway, yeah, it was, it was really fun to, you know, and also make it twisted around too. That's what you do when you're writing, trying to, to throw in things that people haven't thought about. You're thinking this and then you want to throw a curveball, right? So yeah, yeah. Anyway, it was fun. Now that's actually, that's a great segue into another question I was going to okay, ask great. you. So, uh, romantic suspense, that seems to be your genre mostly. Is that true? <laughs> Yes, yes. A funny thing is that when I first started writing, I was trying to write historical novels, and I actually would go to the conference that I mentioned, the ACFW, American Christian Fiction Writers Conference, um, with a card that I called historical romantic suspense is what I called my genre. I don't even think that was called a genre then, um, but basically I loved uh, Bodie Taney's uh, World War II novels, oh, they were so good. And you think yeah. about that, they're romance and they're suspense and they're historical. <laughs> so, you know, I wanted to write something like that. And so I entered various contests and um, then I switched, as I mentioned, to writing kind of a fantasy, but then I got into romance. And in my first romance book that I published and wrote, it turned out that it was filled with mystery and suspense. And so I found that those were elements that I always have to include in a romance. And so... I then started writing for Harlequin's Love Inspired Suspense. And so every one of those books, you know, is required to start with action, start with suspense. The heroine is in danger of the first chapter. And there's a certain voice, a rhythm and pace to that. And so I found I can do that really well and I enjoy it. So I'm pretty much, yeah, this is my genre. <laughs> and then, of course, I have, I'm building an audience. Uh, people who, when they read an Elizabeth Goddard novel, they know what to expect, you know, to expect right. a certain um, in some cases, romantic suspense, you know, different writers you read can be either more suspense or they can be more romance or, or just kind of half and half. Mm -hmm. And with the love inspired suspense, those are 50, 50, you know, it's just a little bit of suspense and then romance and you kind of go back and forth. But I found in writing uh, my longer novel, Never Let Go, that it was really, um, very 
heavy on the emotion and the drama between the two characters in a well-developed romance. And I really like that. I, I, found, I like a deeper story. And then yes, we have suspense. We can have that too. We can have it all. Yeah. Why do we have to have one or the other? So when readers are going to pick up my book, they should know ahead of time that they are going to get a romance. So if they're wanting only a mystery or only suspense, well, they're going to get romance too. So yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I had a similar experience, kind of one of those aha moments after you've written a few books where you're like, huh, yeah. no matter what I write, there's always some sort of romantic comedy element. Even if like it's yeah. superheroes and, you know, the bad guys are getting killed. It's not even like right. superhero light, you know? And, um, and I'm like, huh, but there's still a romantic comedy element. I guess that's my thing. So the, once you recognize your thing, then you can kind of use it, right? Right. It does take time for an author to develop their voice and even to figure out who they are as a writer. I mean, it's taken, you know, 30 something novels, you know, going on 40 novels really to, to know who you are. And on my website, if you, if you look at that, there's the big word escape on there at the top. And I got that because readers would tell me, um, when I'm just feeling depressed or down, I just pick up one of your novels and it just takes me away. <laughs> it's an escape. And so I, I feel like my novels are an escape, but I also want to leave, um, you know, deeper nuggets of truth, you know, and I want when readers put them down to, for them to still be thinking, huh, or, you know, just something, something about the story, like I never let go a lot of it. There's a lot of content on, um, you know, just looking at your past or, you know, using your gifts, don't ever give up on, on anything and, and make sure you're using your gifts and, and that you, and that death doesn't um, give us a chance to, to make up for our regrets, you know, just make sure that you're always telling your loved ones what you want to say, you know, that you love them. Yeah. You know, that you, you're always in, and you don't have regrets, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. 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 I, um, I liked that um, <laughs> the two main characters, Willow and Austin, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, boy, those two have some angst about their past, which it, it's, uh, it kind of makes me think about what you just said, you know, that um, there's, there's some things that you can always be sort of, I hate to say this word teaching because um, not not saying like you're putting a message into stories, but you know, there's always something in your story that in the end you're like, oh yeah, I guess I want people to know that, you know, you should be aware of your present, not get too hung up on your past, tell people you love them. You never know what will, yeah. you know, so it, it's nice because um, I can totally see it. Unfortunately, I'm only 80% of the way through the book, so I don't <laughs> know exactly what happens, but I can guess. Well, <laughs> You might have guessed wrong. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> I, um, I don't set out to, to write those messages or anything. You know, I just, yeah. I started out as a plotter because with Hearts on Presents and even Love Inspired, we have to have a synopsis. But with the longer books, I'm finding that I need to give my characters time and space to grow. And it's kind of like putting a, a dinner in the slow cooker. You know, it's the best food is that the one that's taken a long time to cook. So I give them a lot of space and then all of these things just kind of come out from the characters and from yeah. the story. And it's not something I set out that I'm going to have these messages. They just kind of, and sometimes readers have even pointed out messages. I'm like, Oh, I didn't even, I didn't realize, you know, I didn't see that. So I think it's really, really a lot of fun to do that, to, to see what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I agree. I love yeah. reading it later and then going, Look at that. Who knew? Yeah. I, and not so what I was it grows organically. And like, 
the yeah. characters, I, I did start with a, a reunion romance, let's say that, because in a romantic suspense, um, one of the, I guess, big complaints readers have is that the story will happen so fast. And then all of a sudden, these two people who met are falling in love. You know, it's not like a historical or a longer romance where things kind of develop over time because you don't really have a lot of time in a romantic suspense. That's the nature yeah. of the beast. So <laughs> I think um, as far as I know, I will probably always try to have characters who've known each other and we can kind of start with something that was already there, right? And yeah. then, so we've got to work through it because it's just more developed. The romance is more developed. And so I'm finding that a lot of readers who enjoy romance like that piece of it, that yeah. it's already there and we just have to work through our issues and, and they're real issues, you know? I mean, you know, we all have, sometimes you think, well, why don't we just talk about it? But sometimes it is really hard to just talk about something, isn't it? You know, people say that, but how often do you just go, can you just go say what you want to say? No, it doesn't really work exactly. out like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even in, even in a relationship that's already been, um, even in a marriage. Yeah. It was like, you know, like my husband and I were, we're in this for the long haul, but there are days when I just want to tell him what I'm thinking. And then I don't. <laughs> yeah. I have all of these really good reasons why now is not a good time, you know? Exactly. So, um, you know, it's not as easy as that. You know, yeah. it's not, it's much more complicated. Now, I'd like to go back to what you said about the villain that you didn't know until near the end who the villain was. So tell us about that, because that's one of the elements that I am always trying to like get a handle on in case I ever want to write something with a little bit more suspense in it. Well, I, I usually, I mean, I will have some ideas about who it is, but um, even as I'm writing, uh, like, let's take, for instance, The Camera Never Lies. It, it was the book that won the Carol Award. Um, I had it in my mind as I was developing as a mystery. It was actually a cozy mystery, so it's a true mystery. Um, many red herrings, right? I had in my mind who the bad guy was, and I wrote it accordingly. But when I got to the end, the night before I was going to write that scene, I thought, I don't like him as a bad guy. I'm going to change, change who it is. And I think that just threw everyone off, you know, just threw the readers off because nobody could guess who it was because, so I think it's kind of a, a, a way to trick, trick yourself, trick your re yeah. readers to do that. So that's really kind of what I mean. Um, I'm constantly, even when I'm writing, I will realize, Oh gosh, I just need to change this. So, I mean, I might be writing a certain way, but I need to change it to somebody else. If that makes yeah. sense you know, and right. so I was kind of developing my villain, I guess you could say, as, as I wrote, you know, as the story grows, you have to kind of, the villain has to match or be equal to the hero, right? So right. You know, you've got to grow him and develop him. So I don't really have all the pieces until I get there. Wow. I like it. I, I like, and yet you're a, a plotter. So I find that really interesting that like <laughs> on the one hand, you kind of know where the story is going. On the other hand, you're like, well, I can still just like have my own fun and yeah, find out things yeah. as I go. Well, the plot or the synopsis really think of it as a roadmap, you know, and so you might want to take um, some detours. <laughs> you know, just as long as you get to the same place, you want to take some detours. And I'm finding that I'm turning in, I think of the plotting and the pantsing kind of as a spectrum, you know, like you're, you know, there's one end to the other and sometimes you swing this way, that way, or whatever the book requires is what I do. You yeah. Know? Sometimes um, I'm completely just 
don't know what I'm doing. I get up and I just start writing <laughs> and see where it takes me. So whatever it takes to get the book written. But um, I, I, as I said, I'm required to write a synopsis for uh, my Harlequin books. So I kind of stick to those. But with the longer ones, because we can take a lot of detours, you know, yeah. it is more enhancing, I guess you could say. Yeah. You know, it's funny that, that you were saying that about the spectrum. Um, I went to the Romance Writers of America National Conference last year in Denver. So 2018. And they have all these cute little stickers that you can put on your badge. And they had uh, plotter stickers and they had pantser stickers. And I noticed that somebody else had taken one of each and cut them in half and put, and so that they formed on their badge. It said, uh, like, pants or something and yeah. I'm like oh I know what I am I'm like more on the other side of the spectrum so I put plot um so plotter pants or I've pl heard of plot plot things, sir. Plot yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so I mean really it is a spectrum and you kind of swing back and forth whatever the story requires and I'm finding that I every story I will write I will do it differently I mean I, I wish I had a set way of doing it but sometimes I need to fast track and just write the whole thing as fast as possible and come back and edit it and yeah. other times I try that, it doesn't work. And I have to um, just get up every day and chip away, you know. And right now I'm writing two books at the same time. So in the morning I will write, I mean, usually I, I am, but what I'll try to write a whole book and then I'll go write the next one and then I'll come back and edit. But sometimes sure, it right. doesn't work. And so right now I'm like, you know, I'm just going to have to write them at the same time. And I'm going to write one book in the morning and write on the other one in the afternoon. And I did that with never let go actually. And I did find that Willow showed up in my other book. And I was like, <laughs> what are you doing in this book? You're not supposed to be in this book. So <laughs> it was kind of funny. <laughs> that is funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I've, um, I know lots of people do the writing one, editing another, but <laughs> you're the first person I've talked to who's had to write two at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's well, you know, when you're writing for two publishers. Yeah. Uh, Contracts. You just, and you have, yeah. You just have to do. And I mean, that's all good. I mean, that's the dream. It's all these yeah. years of working and working towards getting contracts and, and now I have them and, and I've talked to some of my friends that, you know, we started out together and none of us were published and we would chat every day. We would talk every day. We would encourage and look at each other's chapters, whatever we've written. And um, now we can't talk very often because we're busy writing and we're like, well, we wanted this. This is what we wanted. Look at us now, but we can't really have a, a relationship like we wanted because we're working so hard at our dreams. Yeah. <laughs> exactly so there's a price to pay but yeah we, we try to keep up yeah but you know life is cyclical so mm -hmm. you know it, it'll come back there's around and yeah 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 <laughs> so and right now I'm enjoying uh the season I wish I wish it would have started 30 years ago <laughs> I mean, you know I was younger and it had more energy or whatever but you right. know um I I think that it's an exception. It's the exception when somebody can start out very early and very young, but you, ha you know, you yeah. have to have a lot of life experience really to yeah. write good and deep characters. You have to have lived life to know yeah. what to put in a novel. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I really think that that is mostly true. I mean, obviously there have been people who've been the exception and I'm not, mm -hmm. I don't know anything about their own personal backstory. Right, right. So how they became that person who had, you know, mm -hmm. something really interesting to say um, and that they said it well, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, 
with one caveat, the only thing that I've noticed that I find slightly irritating is like you said, kind of wish it could have started earlier because the more life I live, the more ideas that I get and the more stories that I'm plotting out in my head. And I'm like, wait, I don't have time to write that. Like even in the next year, 18 months, I just have it on the list of books I'd like to write sometime. Yeah, we all have. Yeah, we all have that. And so it's good to have that list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good to have the ideas. No, I agree. There's not enough, um, not enough of me to write all the stories I have. So that's good. You're a writer. See, yeah, <laughs> you've got yeah. all these stories in your head. <laughs> now, one of the things, one of the other many things um, that really struck me, just when I was reading the back cover copy, I'm like, I got to read this book. I have never seen the words forensic genealogist together before. So you said right. that you read it in a, in a newspaper in article, but, yep. but then when you had to go do enough research to actually create somebody that where that was their career, I mean, that just sounds really fascinating. And I would love to hear a little bit more about it, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, it's, it's really forensic just means um, really legal in this sense. Um, you know, forensic genealogist would be someone who would help to find a lost heir you know, for a family. So it's, you know, and then the case where she was helping the police. So it's just something that is more used for law enforcement or legal issues. Um, now, since I've written the book, I see in, on the news maybe once a week or, you know, pretty often where they're using, law enforcement is now using forensic genealogists to take DNA from crimes, crime scenes from 20, 30 years ago and then find the family now, that wasn't even really a thing that I knew about when I wrote my book. I mean, it just you know, it happened, and all of a sudden, you're seeing it all the time, but they will use a forensic genealogy to take the DNA, and if the DNA comes up in a database, like a genealogy database, because everybody's, you know, families are loading that up to find, find out who they're yeah. connected to, so they've got this DNA, they load it up, and if it is any way a match, that genealogist will work on the family tree, building a family tree, till they finally get down to suspects possible you know somebody has related to this criminal so I mean isn't that fascinating so yeah. I mean look out criminals <laughs> you can't get away with anything anymore so right. um anyway it, it is really fascinating uh what is happening in, with technology you really have to as a romantic suspense writer contemporary yeah. romantic suspense writer I have to really stay on top of that and then you know I could be writing something and two years later everything changes so right <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They only stay so much on top of it. So Yeah. So this is book one of a series and book two is probably going to come out in fall of 2019. Yes, in October and actually on Thursday. This Thursday I'm doing the cover reveal. So um anyone who wants to join me on social media anywhere, you can look at the cover. Excellent. <laughs> I've invited quite a few people to to help me with the cover reveal for book two. So that's exciting. Cool. Yep. So will book two have um, characters we know? Will there still be forensic genealogy and FBI or will it be other? Um, it, it will career? be, um, if you never let go, you met Heath and, and I try to put um, characters in so that the readers will fall in love with this person and, and want to have their story. So yes, it will be Heath McCade's story, brother tossed to McCade and we're st still at the ranch. Um, Willow and Austin, they, they have kind of a cameo appearance where they, they, you know, they're talked about, but I like the focus to be really totally on the new characters and I hope that readers will fall in love with them and their story just as deeply as they do Willow and Austin's. So um, 
Yeah. Did you, um, do you have the blurb for it? Do you want me to read the blurb or? Oh yeah. Go ahead and, no, okay. I haven't right. seen it. So this, yeah, it's just, I think it's, they're just putting it up and they haven't put the cover out. So that's what the reveal is for. But at the advice of her therapist, homicide survivor Harper Reynolds has traded her job as a crime scene photographer for a more peaceful life, taking photographs of the natural world. But her hopes for a life surrounded by the serenity of the outdoors are dashed when she inadvertently captures a murder being committed in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. She flees the scene in fear and loses the camera. Former Green Beret Heath McCade is a reserve deputy in an understaffed county who has been called in to protect Harper, a childhood friend he is supposed to see back in the area, when, or surprised to see back in the area. When Harper learns that the Sheriff's Department can't find any evidence of the murder she witnessed, she is determined to do what she can to see justice is done. What neither Heath nor Harper, what, excuse me, what neither Harper nor Heath could know is how many explosive secrets from the past will be exposed or how deeply they will fall for each other. In this suspenseful page turner, best-selling author Elizabeth Goddard keeps you on the edge of your seat as you discover that uncommon justice just lies just on the other side of here. And yeah, that book was, it was very exciting to write too. It was completely different. Than, I mean, it's the same, it's the same, same feeling, same pace, because we're kind of in a Western environment. You know, Wyoming is very Western. It's more Western yeah. than Texas, let me tell you. And um, same feeling with all that, but um, completely different story. And it, it was a lot of twists and turns that surprised me. Yeah. Oh, that's so, <laughs> so fun. I'm excited. Yeah. Nice. Oh, good. So then, then there'll be book three. And then, um, so the the two books that you're writing at the same time right now, one of them is probably from a different series. Um, yeah, I'm writing uh, the third book for Uncommon Justice. I'm writing right now. I don't have a title for it. That's the one. It's Liam McCabe's story. It comes after um, Always Look Twice. And I'm also writing um, a Harlequin book, Love and Spark Suspense book, which is the first book in a new series for them. Oh, and I just signed a contract, a new contract with Ravel for a new series uh, called Rocky Mountain Courage. I mean, it, it could change. The title could change, but I think yeah. probably will, you know, it seems like we'll probably keep that series title, but I'm excited. So when I turn in this third book with Uncommon Justice, I'll be starting right on the first book in a new series. So I'm right. so excited to be writing more for Ravel, writing some more long trade fiction novels. That was really my dream all along was to write the very long novels and just have the freedom to write my story. So nice. I'm excited. Yay. Now listen, uh, in case there's any listeners who are used to writing 50,000 words and are considering writing 90 or vice versa, but we'll talk about it from, from 50 to 90 because you wouldn't know about the vice versa part. But do, you, <laughs> do you have any advice to give other people as they're getting ready to, to maybe try writing in, um, in a genre or whatever where they're going to have to really increase their word count a lot to match that genre? Yeah, I have some advice. It's interesting, as I mentioned, that I was kind of nervous uh, going from 50,000 to 97,000, but I found it easy to do because you can really flesh out all of those things that you're you're worried about or you have to to shorten all of the characterization you can just let it grow you can let it bloom and yeah. if you decide that you know you're writing and oh I, I think I need another point of view you can add those two you can add the villain's point of view and you can add a subplot and so it's actually really quite easy you just kind of spread your wings and fly that's how it felt for me so um nice. you know it just it wasn't it wasn't difficult at all yeah. So just be confident and uh, enjoy it. Have fun. 
Yeah. You know what? I always think that that's good advice because if you're enjoying what you're writing, there's a really good chance that um, the people that are reading it are going to enjoy it. That is, that is really the truth. And sometimes when I'm in the middle of the book, I'm, I just hate it. I'm like, oh, I just hate this. You know, I mean, it happens to all of us writers. You know, one day we hate the book, the next day we love it. But yeah. that's one thing I think if I was a reader, what would I want to see in the story to make it exciting, to make it fun, for make, to make it make me love it? And so I always try to come at it with that in mind. So, yeah. Oh, that's great. Listen, you've given us a lot of advice and tips as we've kind of moved through the, the, um, the whole interview, talking a, a little bit about this and that and the other thing. Um, is there any other advice that you wanted to offer that maybe has something to do specifically with some uh, facet that, that you do a lot of, you know, whether it's action or mystery or romance or um, anything that you want to... Um, oh gosh. Well, I just, I don't really have anything with the facet of specifically writing romance, romantic suspense or, or my genre, but I would like to say to really encourage readers or I'm sorry, aspiring writers that to, if they really want to write, you know, to really look at it more with a, uh, a work ethic of, of like, it's your job. That's, that's what people have always asked me. How do you, how are you so prolific? And I'm just like, I think of it as my job. I think of it as uh, a work, you know, and I get up every single day and I work and I chip yeah. away no matter what that is. So I'm just trying to encourage people to um, just keep chipping away, right? Yeah. Every single day. And, um, you know, don't put it off for a month or two months or, or say, I really want to write a novel. Just start today. Yeah. Yeah. At it. So I'm working it and considering it more than a hobby. You know, right. yes, I love what I do. I love what I do so much, but I also consider it my job and and I go to work every day writing novels so yeah that's excellent advice and and can I just ask because um I've been meeting more and more authors who have been you know doing this for you know it, it seems to be people that I know who have been doing this for at least 10 years um and particularly people that I know who have been doing the self-published route which is the mm -hmm. direction that I went because my genres were too too mixed up <laughs> um so one of the things that I hear a lot is that people are trying to not get burned out or they're feeling like they're already burned out, partly because uh, you live and work in the same room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like most people work at home. So do you have any tips for it? You don't look like somebody who is stressed out about your job, even though you're writing two books at the same time. Do you have anything that you have um, made some rules for yourself? Like I stop working at this time every day or um, I don't work more than this or I take a day off or anything like that. You look so calm and relaxed for someone oh, who's so busy. Gosh, I'm a great actor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have suffered through a lot of, of burnout. I've been very stressed and, but I just tell myself, this is my dream. I'm finally here and I'm going to do this. Um, I do uh, just say, give myself a word count and, I meet that. And if I don't meet it, it, it's, it's more hours too. like, you know, I work a certain many hours. And so, yeah, in the evening I will stop and I will hang out with my family. We'll watch a movie or I'll read a book. I love to read. And, um, I'm always reading somebody's romantic suspense, some other books. So, um, yeah, I have to step away. Um, people have sometimes asked, what's your, what are your hobbies? And, you know, no, I have no other hobbies besides reading. <laughs> <laughs> which I enjoy doing. I mean, I don't have time to, to really do anything else because of the writing, but um, it can be hard. It can be stressful, but you're right. You do have to set some limits. And um, I try to do that. 
just enjoy the evening with my family and, and read. So that sounds really nice, actually. <laughs> oh, well, listen, this has been fabulous. I, I've been really enjoying talking to you, and particularly because if you're watching on YouTube, you've got this beautiful library of books behind you. It just <laughs> yeah. makes, makes the whole atmosphere seem very like, ah, yes, when I'm done listening, I think I should just go and do some writing. <laughs> That's right. Well, I'm glad. That's encouraging. Yeah, it's my church library, so I thought that would be a great way to do the interview. It's it's perfect. I, I can recognize uh, some of the book covers. Um, like there's a style that somebody will have, like a Bethany House right. book cover or, yep. or somebody. And I'm like, oh, I, I think that series over there might be Bethany House. But yep. that one over there. I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, so where can listeners find you and your books? Well, uh, my website's always a great place to go, elizabethgoddard.com. Um, my Amazon page, author page, I have that. You click on that, and they're all there. Um, you can find my book, Never Let Go, at elizabethgoddard.com, but also Baker Publishing Group. And they, that, they're, that's Ravella's the publisher, but then they not only have, you can buy it there, but they also include all of the different places that you could buy the book. I mean, they have a huge list, so... There are many places to buy it. You can go to Barnes and Noble. They have the book on the bookshelves right now. Lots of anywhere books are sold. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, that's very exciting. And I assume your social media, if somebody wants to follow you on social media, they can find that information on your website. Yeah. And uh, I am on Pinterest. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Please uh, come like my author page because I'm posting every single day. Um, all kinds of encouraging things and also all about my books. You can sign up for my newsletter at my website and I send it once a month just to let people know what's going on, let readers know what go what's going on and when they can buy the next book or they get a sneak peek. Um, yeah, it's all on my website. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram are my main social media places Excellent. and then my newsletter and then um also you can sign up for my my blog because i'll put you know i'll post things on my blog and you can get that in an email so oh very fun yeah. cool all right and it's elizabeth was a z and then goddard is g-o-d-d-a-r-d -D -D. that's right mm -hmm. excellent all right elizabethgoddard.com great thank you so much this has been great fun having you on the show and thank you. I so enjoyed talking to you and I appreciate you having me. Thanks.